0: She, she definitely is neglecting him, but he could probably take it a little bit better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of, <laughs> instead of making like sexy golems of her when as soon as the door closes. <laughs> I don't And podcast. I am your regular, one of your regular co hosts, Matt. And today we are part two of a special series. So special. Do you feel special, Tim? I feel so special. You kidding me? You sound it, mate. Give it some oomph. Get some, (laughs) kid. Don't tickle it. (laughs) And today we're continuing in the source material from James Gunn's proposed. DC Slate. So it's quite handy actually that we watched the last of his Marvel films last week and we're all excited again for it. Uh, this week we are doing the first absolute edition. I think it's about one and a half
1: of the original books.
0: How are you Tim and how are you looking forward to getting stuck into the swamp?
1: I'm doing awesome man. Really enjoying these uh, episodes. Loving the creator uh, that's actually not really a creator or spotlight. It's more, it is though, actually, because it's, yeah,
0: it it's is, James,
1: yeah. James Gunn's, it's like a James Gunn spotlight. But anyway, I love, I love these deep dives on these comic book stories. I'm pumped. What about you? Yeah, no, I am i can't wait, mate. I just feel like we're
0: really getting into the groove of what we are as a podcast now with almost exclusively horror content (laughs) (laughs) maybe we're just twisted little deviants and and that's what it is it's not the format it's just that we are we're just longing we've just been longing for an expression of our seediness (laughs) (laughs) anyone that knew me as a child would
1: probably say that i found that long ago (laughs) i'm no like horror aficionado, you know? Like I'm not like a scholar of the genre. So everyone I see I'm like so giddy and excited for it new to me, you know? Maybe that's coming through. I don't know.
0: Yeah, definitely. So and I think they're quite introspective as well, aren't they? And Mm -hmm. for what is always essentially protagonist versus antagonist and how is one thing gonna get the other. It seems to be there's quite a lot to read into it. And there's also subgenres, the intellectual ones you've got the predator meets prey sort of Slashy ones it's a really rich and vibrant genre across medium as well in comics has been a really strong period
1: oh totally that's some of my favorite stuff to read the creators imagination go crazy with that stuff how they render the monsters whatever that monster is you know, the antagonist and just like the crazy scenarios it's really where comics are in some ways at their best because you can convey things on a page you just can't convey in any other way as effectively Again, I don't know the history of horror and comics, but it seems to me like now is a very fertile time. Well, I think what we're talking about today, let's
0: call it the mainstream's genesis of horror comic and the way it took a left turn into the deepest depths of Alan Moore's mind. So shall we? Well, (laughs) and also it's just good to not be talking about film gossip again. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't bear doing that anymore. uh, Maybe I can understand some some of the frustrations previously. I think it's only been betrayed by my own enthusiasm to know. I think back in the days, it was still vibrant. It was still exciting. I was itching to find out what happened next in these superhero IPs and universes. Whereas now, I'd rather just not find out, turn up and then more than likely not enjoy
1: it yeah 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 yeah. oh i remember we used to talk about when we first started the show we we did like endless segments and they were fun like who's gonna play like reed richards i remember that being a I thing mean, yeah and that's fun but now i don't even i don't even think about that stuff anymore and i'm the same way I'm with you. Done. like it's been a while since i've watched a trailer i just simply don't I don't even do it anymore. In fact, yeah. I barely even remember that Guardians 3 was coming out until like the week before. Well, maybe the no, week of, I was it like, oh shit, Guardians 3. Yeah. So that's working for me. We gave very high marks to Guardians 3, but on balance, I think it's partly, you know, a bit of fatigue and it's partly that the MCU is not really not delivering consistently enough. Yeah, but-
0: I think you said as well that that's probably not a renaissance for the MCU. That's just a renaissance for James Gunn.
1: Yeah. I think it's, yeah,
0: yeah. But that was last week's episode. But what for this week's? So, if anybody doesn't know, the Swamp Thing is a character. It's about a man. He's like a monster and he's made of plants and he lives in the Bayou (laughs) swamp. (laughs) And that's about the long and short of it, isn't it? It's a comic. There's going to be people that don't like him. They're going to get him, they're going to come for him. And he had all this inner trauma, and he wants to be a man again.
1: Mm -hmm. I guess one thing to say about it is that the Alan Moore run on this, which I think started in like 1984, is that right? That's what my pages say. I can't remember who was writing it beforehand. Was it Len Wein who was doing it before, or is it somebody else? I think Len Wein did um, the 60s, and
0: it didn't run for that long. I think there was almost a 10-year absence, or at least a 10-year, between the start of one volume and the start of the other and I think the first 23 issues were by somebody that were kind of almost treating it like a Fantastic Four thing for what was essentially still children's comics at that point you know fighting dinosaurs and then you'd go in out of space and so it was basically a big man that was kind of a plant that had different adversaries thrown in each week and he'd have to find a way of winning to return the status quo by the end of it. So if you can imagine the Fantastic Four was done particularly poorly, and it had a man that was a tree.
1: <laughs> can you imagine going to your gas station or wherever and picking up issue 20 of this story, thinking you're getting that and then getting what you got? What mm. a change. You explain that to me. It makes us all the more crazy and impressive, and obviously groundbreaking for its time. Alan Moore, his project initially is to completely upend the Swamp Thing canon in a way that we can talk about, but it's very, very interesting. And I think is thematically rich. Yeah, it was Martin Pasco that wrote it from 1982 to 1984. Wow. Okay. I don't know who
0: that is. Yeah, I have no idea. And I don't think we'll be hearing about him again So I don't really know. <laughs>
1: I wonder if there's a Google alert. He's like, oh, someone said my name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his name's in blue on Wikipedia. So, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, he looks like a Second World War villain. Oh my. Well, maybe, maybe not a villain. That's a bit mean, isn't it? He's probably a nice man.
1: Yeah. You know who Lou Gehrig is? No, you I don't know. Lou Gehrig? Know no. He's a famous American baseball player. And one of the things he's famous for is the guy who was there before him. He's like one of the all time greatest players ever. Okay. And ALS, the like neuro disease is named after him because he got it, he had to retire and he died like fairly shortly thereafter. He, the guy before him who played first base, he had an injury and the guy, he was supposed to be out for like a week and then Lou Gehrig comes in and the other dude's like career, like basically and transforms everything, the entire game of baseball. Alan Moore is this. <laughs> to not <do> <laughs>
0: yeah. Let's not forget as well, this was the advent of Moore in American comics.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: What was the one that was kind of by Marvel, but it was by British Marvel? Been re-upped recently. Miracle Man.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I think by proxy, he probably had done some Marvel, but he hadn't actually written any Marvel at that point, if you know what I mean. But what are your broad feelings about this? Did it live up to
1: expectation? or I don't know what the expectation was, other than I thought it was going to be very high-minded and sort of a literary approach to comic books. Maybe that's what I thought because I know him. And I'd read really, yeah, like yeah, Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. It's very thoughtful. It analyzes the form by also and tells a story. And in that respect, I, it did live up to expectation. It was very strange to just like step into it because I didn't really know much about Swamp Thing. I don't know much about DC characters. That first issue, issue twenty, like wraps up the prior storyline, and you just kind of thrown into it. There's no classic yeah, reboot absolutely. of not at all. Even when you go into his first issue of his story. It's not like a reset at all other than the origins of the character and the sort of nature of the character, but you kind of get the hang of it. And at that point, I liked it quite a bit. I mean, you can see how revolutionary it is for its time, but kind of like when we talked about Watchmen, this is not something that I think a newer comic reader is going to get a whole lot out of. It's pretty advanced. I think I would never send someone to this. Everyone knows that Saga of the Swamp Scene, like Watchmen is one of the great comics ever written,
0: but yeah, it's yeah. also
1: not something you would send someone, what's the best comic ever? I, I want to start getting into comics. I would never send them to read this. You send Supergirl Woman to tomorrow, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, that's right. Right. <laughs> kind of like Watchmen, this is clearly so influential in terms of writing style, characters, yeah, like the rich kind of characterization can be hard to understand like if you're familiar with modern comics like contemporary comics it can be hard to probably understand like how revolutionary this would have been at the time but what you describe makes it even more crazy revolutionary than i thought if we're talking about just some big dope fighting dinosaurs and then you get this quite a quite a change i overall liked it some of this stuff i'm just not familiar with some of the the backstory it took me a while to figure out who abby is at all like what Mm -hmm. her deal is I didn't really do any... I kind of wanted to just get it from the book. I didn't want to do a whole lot of research until after the fact. But once you figure that stuff out, I think it's quite good. The paneling's great, very unusual, very dynamic. Some of the art here is incredible. I'm thinking of that, especially that one scene where she and Matt, her husband, end up in the woods. And I can't remember why. I think they went to the place where they thought Alec had died in the swamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Swamp Thing has planted himself in the swamp and the art on that is so incredible because it takes a minute to figure out what are the contours of the body it's just very beautifully rendered Mm. because it's it's very um you could imagine that's what it would look like to come upon that and be like i can't is that a body is that what is that and you got to like really look at it it's i thought very well done and i think there's a lot of art like that in here having said that there are problems too abby i think is quite underdeveloped and a lot of like woe is me Help me help me help me <laughs> for like 10 issues and then some of the villains are just strange they just came out of nowhere like that etrigan demon i didn't know if what we, the hell uh, was but we'll just take a pause there Tim. yeah
0: you're giving me quite a lot to contend sorry I'm, I'm just i'm very excited <laughs> would you like to know what i thought about it yes i would, yes, I would. okay so You've done me a great deal of service there because you provided quite a lot of information, and a lot of it I hadn't even crossed my mind. But a lot of it I staunchly agree with. I wouldn't say I was disappointed in this, but the only people that I know to have read this of like comics should have just stopped here because they only got worse. The, the, the pinnacle of that age of comics. Now, how, have have you read any other Swamp Thing? No. I read Jeff Lemire's Animal Man, which is to me a modern classic without question. It's one of the most exciting and also really embraced the horrific body horror, gritty, naturalistic sense of horrors. And Mm -hmm. Scott Snyder was writing Swamp Thing at the same time. And they came together where one was the green and one was the red. So the red is like the fleshy creatures controlling all the animals. The animal man can actually turn into any animal of choice as well. And that contained run I thought was absolutely spectacular. And a lot like this, it reintroduced Abby, it reintroduced Arcane. So I had a little bit of prior knowledge. To, so I keep, I keep going. Don't say man thing. Don't say man thing. Don't say man thing. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of prior knowledge
1: to
0: Swamp Thing. A quite exciting prior knowledge. And I'm thinking, wow, like, Alan Moore's supposed to be that much better than that small saga that I read. And what am I letting myself in for? I thought it was about, about on the same level. Really good writing. It was really gripping from page to page. I was excited to find out what happened next. There was a, It generated a sense of intrigue. However, if you were to put this in... Say if you stripped away all the comics I would never read again from my bookshelf, and you were just left with maybe from a top 20, top, I don't even know, it would be in the top 20, top 50. Top 50, it might be in there, probably be in there. I don't think it's the one I'd ever go to first. I, in actual fact, I think for the rest of my days, that might be one that I, I don't know if I'd even pick it up again. And that's not to mm-hmm. say that it's not worth rereading, but I've, I was expecting something maybe a little bit deeper thematically. It was mm-hmm. a well-written superhero comic you can see really the roots of a modern style of writing, very sparing with text. This had a very heavily narrated Southern Gothic noir feel. It was almost a little bit circumlocutive, unnecessarily wordy. It was kind of like a problem page in a woman's magazine from the 90s. It was a bleeding heart narrator from page to page. I don't know if he likes me back. I don't know if I'm yeah. good at my job. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah. He almost seemed to me like a passenger in most of the stories that you could almost remove him. Obviously, he had to appear at the end of each of the arcs with the Floronic Man. Now, mm-hmm. I found the villains. Okay, let's 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 take a step back. There was a part whereby it's revealed quite soon on what's his name, Alec, Alec Holland, Alec Holland. What a gentleman and a scholar. He was killed by a terrorist thing where there was a bomb and he's exploded into the swamp. And the Floronic Man is basically taking bits of him when he's in his scientist persona and trying to work out what he can do genetically to make it more perfect. Now, the twist of the tale is that he's actually the Floronic Man Whereas the Swamp Thing has almost mycelial connection to all the plants in the entire of the world, the fluoronic Man has physical control and can make them glow or, or grow, or he can make them, like in one case, he makes them all expend a hundred times more oxygen than they would do, so he threatens to actually ignite the world's mm-hmm. atmosphere. And I thought things like that were really clever. With Alec Holland, it's found that he wanted, in the previous writer, what's his name, Pasco. Felt like there was a desire. He was trying to find a way back to becoming Alec Holland again. And what Mm -hmm. we discovered quite early on, he lost his actual human self of identity because his body completely decomposed into the earth. This swamp and the adjacent arboriculture absorbed his body's nutrition. It also absorbed little parts of his consciousness. And then Mm -hmm. the swamp reformed him. And he found out that he wasn't actually a man turned into a monster. He was just a monster with the mind of a man. Piercingly, what is it that makes somebody who they are? Our appreciation is it's our our memories or it's how people remember us or how we think we are. He is still within effect Alec Holland and it's his actions that will define the type of person he is, not his memories of the man that he once was. For that first arc... The Floronic Man was really, really strong as a villain. Maniacal escalation of paranoia and thirst for revenge. He becomes an eco-terrorist whereby he's saying that, you know, the way that humans have treated plant life on this planet, well, now it's my turn to exact revenge and we're going to purge the earth of people, of animal life the villainy and the hero at that point was a really good balance. There was a lot of depth, there was a lot of discovery, and it actually took some quite shocking page turns as well. You were never too sure what was coming next with either of them, and I thought, wow, if this is how it is going to be. Count me in. These people were right. They were recommending this.
1: <laughs> yeah, They
0: were recommending this in the right way. However, I found that Swamp Thing took more of a backseat after that. focused more on the bad actors in each story, and like I said, he was just giving this bleeding heart commentary. Abby running in circles between a tokenistic bad marriage with a alcoholic loser, and then finding herself in the arms of the swamp again. And there was the kind of will they, won't they, payoff at the end. But it, mm-hmm. even then, this swamp thing on its own labored through much of
1: this after the first arc. I thought the first arc was the best also. I think you say it perfectly there's a balance because Swamp Thing and Floronic Man it's really well done because they both ultimately want what the other has and and can't have. So he wants nothing more than to be a plant and he he can't because he's a man at least at first. And then Swamp Thing wants nothing more than to be a man again. He, his whole anger and impression about realizing the the origin his true origins mm. is pretty harrowing. He wants nothing than to be a man, which is what Phelonic Man is. And they both want what the other has and cannot achieve it. That was beautifully balanced. And I agree. Swamp Thing he makes little cameos from here on out. I think Abby kind of becomes the central character of the yeah, yeah. latter arcs, which is fine. It's just that I don't think she's very well developed largely until towards the end. And, and only when he comes back into the picture when they consummate their love for one another Mm. in a very strange sequence, um, which we can talk about. But yeah, no, I I, I agree with
0: that. The reintroduction of Arcane, again, a really prominent uh, villain for this corner of the DC. The way he plays into the paranoia and distrust of... Is it Matt? Or is it Matt, her husband? Matt, yeah. Yeah, the way that he plays into his distrust and paranoia towards Abby... And the way that he feels neglected by her because she's basically been trying to find Alec and she's been she's been spending most of the time in the swamp and trying to understand what's going on. Her thirst for explanation is making her, and she is neglecting him. She she definitely is neglecting him, but he could probably take it a little bit better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of, <laughs> instead of making like sexy golems of her when as soon as the door closes. <laughs> it's like, do, you reckon, do you reckon he's just has like a massive wank? Or do you reckon he actually has sex with those, with the uh, the magical golems that appear to him? <laughs> is, <laughs> it, like... is it performative or is it interactive? <laughs> I think is the question I'm asking. <laughs>
1: It's like, dude, do what the, the rest of us do. Just, like, go on to a movie, like, find something to do. Don't just sit there, you're just getting shit-faced and, like, yell at her when she gets home. <laughs>
0: oh, Although, weird. to be fair, though, like, I felt that the the entropy of that relationship was pretty well displayed because the, mm-hmm. Matt's really pained, and he does legitimately love her, but his distrust for the situation, and his distrust for her, whether it's placed... In good or bad intent, that he only wants it to work, and his failure to do that makes him more imposing and actually pushes her further away. We spoke about this with the kind of like Quill and Gamora balance in the last film, in yeah. the last episode that we did, which obviously won't be the last episode
1: because I've got three to backed up. So just ignore this part of the podcast, people. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a sense of what Matt and Abby's relationship was with the actual Alec Holland? What they were up to before this happened I don't I meant to look into it but I I think it just slipped my mind I honestly can not tell tell it's hard to tell like whether she has feelings for Alec the whole time or if that sort of develops as she spends time with Swamp Thing or or what Alec was married as well wasn't yeah it was Linda
0: Lindsay Lindsay okay Lindsay Linda something like that yeah it's one of those where I was just like there's something going on like yeah, how it uh, happens. This is this is where it is now, and I, I pretty much get. I, I, I get what's happening right now. I, I'll just yeah, just yeah. just allow it. Allow it. <laughs> totally. um, but the way that Arcane played on that, at least, and the way that Arkane guides him into making the bad decisions. In actual fact, he probably doesn't even have much of a hand in it. He's just waiting for something that tragic to happen before he can give him that deal with the devil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The way that he overcomes his both corporal and cerebral forms until he completely wipes him out that was a strong passage one of the things that this does well it balances the cutting and the editing of of each of the, the threads before it tied them back together the only thing that I would say sometimes it's almost too well done because you arrive at the end of the story Um, Skipping forward to after he's victorious over Arcane, Arcane's parting shot is that he steals, because he's Abby's uncle, he steals her her soul and, and, and takes it to hell with him. And that whole hell, it's one of the most adroitly drawn depictions of hell. Dark, murky, physical, sinewy, textured genuinely turning the pages it felt it did actually feel like wow this is horrific to look at it wasn't totally. just all painted red it was dark sort of miasmic corners obviously hell is supposed to be for the worst people but it's almost kind of for the weakest as well mm. like the people that made bad decisions because it was easier took the shortcut so some of the the demons or the hell sent creatures they are a little bit pathetic. They are a little bit inadequate. They are a little bit un- unable to track Swamp Thing and Abigail and that that yeah. wacky yeah that wacky creature that just
1: drops him. His name's Etrigan. That's a great point. And he depicts these little mini scenes of the dams bickering with one another, which really adds to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I felt that in itself could have easily been four or five issues really built on it. But I think because Alan Moore has this such rich and full library of ideas that it was like okay we've got that one done man. what's next turn the yeah. page turn the page quick 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 <laughs> that was a very cool section of the story we did an Moore month uh, a couple of years ago now we did beef of vendetta uh hill of right we did captain britain the joker one Oh, Killing Joke. Yeah, so they were the killing joke. So if anybody wants to hear more of us talking <laughs> about Alan Moore, <laughs> Yeah, if, if you want more, more, baby, more, 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 how do you like it? Stop touching it. <laughs> 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 yeah, so if you want more, more, you can go back. There's a playlist on SoundCloud and obviously all the episodes are on all your favourite listening locations. But one of the ways that Arcane manages to drag Abigail to hell is he rapes her. So there's incest it's mm-hmm. hinted that that is what opened the door for him to take her soul to hell because mm-hmm. of the incest. And we, we asked the question in The Killing Joke, having read Watchmen, there's a fairly early rape scene between one of the senior members of the team and one of the senior member's daughters, who's now also in the team. And when you look back at it, you have the sexual battery in The Killing Joke as well. In V for Vendetta, there's a rape scene pretty early on. I can't remember what the young girl's called now in that, but he saves her from uh, being a sexually assaulted by policemen. And again, in this, there is sexual assault yeah. used as a plot device. I understand why it's used. And then, obviously, yeah, I mean, fuck me. Um, what they called Lost Girls, that whole book is just salacious. So, yeah, totally. I think now I've noticed it, having now read quite. I wouldn't say a substantial amount, but enough to probably have comment on Alan Moore as a writer that when I saw that, I was like, Oh, come on, dude. I'm not every time. This is drawing me towards the perversion being
1: in you and not in the stories. Yeah. Uh, I noticed it because we talked about it. Mm. I think here it serves some, a justifiable purpose, but You're right. Why are we seeing this every time? I can even think of others. He wrote a story with Jason Burroughs called Neonomicon, which is depraved, honestly. Like, there's a lot of sexual assault in that, yeah. That might have been the first one I read, and I noticed it there as being just, I think that one's somewhat known for this, and so I kind of knew about it going in. But yeah, I don't know what's, yeah, that's a great point. I think in this case, let me just get back to your question. In this case, I think it's part of the story because of the way that it implicates the whole descent to hell. Though, why she should go to hell, that is a uh, disturbing thing to think about. She's the victim of this, not, like, I get why he would, but why she should as well is makes you wonder what he thinks about all this stuff. But, man, it's it's like a trope, which is a weird thing to have a, a trope with. Yeah, exactly. I think
0: you point, pinpoint really well the only reason why this isn't aggressively off in is because each time it is used really well as a story device. In each story, strangely enough, it feels organic to the characterizations. there. One of the things that I've noticed on top of this as well is it's almost performative sexual battery in the way it's for one, us as the audience, but also for the observation of the people in the story. In The Killing Joke, he takes Barbara Gordon for the purpose of upsetting Jim Gordon. In this, mm-hmm. he takes his niece and rapes her for the point of upsetting Alec Holland. In mm-hmm. in The Watchmen, when Edward Blake, he doesn't find anybody to do it to, Laura Jupiter, who is Sally Jupiter's daughter. It feels like Edward Blake was actually jealous of Sally Jupiter's relationship. It was explicitly because it was her daughter. So again, performative sexual exploitation. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's a great point.
0: Yeah. Well, I've got one or two up my sleeve, mate. I'm not always shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've caught up with, with you now, Tim. Carry on. What What did you think about one-off Pog or the Pogue or whatever that was? It was quite strange seeing that, having watched Guardians Volume 3 last week and seen the high evolutionary, that we had these evolved creatures from another land. Yeah who were invaded by humanoids that just saw them as meat as they are here, basically. So they escape in a Noah's Ark-styled spaceship with as many creatures as they possibly could. And then Mm -hmm. they arrive on Earth just to find themselves in the same peril. I actually really liked it. I liked it. It was a nice palate cleanser after an incest, (laughs) injected, literal trip to hell. (laughs) I was quite happy to see it.
1: I liked it too, but I didn't at first. I was like, what is this? Yeah, I gotta, me too. Yeah. I got to like sound out every word. What are these guys even saying? But mm. I thought it was very emotionally poignant at the end. Really was, wasn't it? Yeah. The fact that it turned turned that way was very surprising. A lovely one off. I really liked it a lot. Do you have the Neil Gaiman essay in yours oh. in the Absolute?
0: Damn, I knew I had something to do. There is about. 20 pages of text at the back of the absolute edition. And by the way, this is the most beautiful thing I have ever read. It's like yeah. a moleskin covered. Um, you have the slipcase, it uses fluorescent lime green lettering on the dark black and dark green colours, and it punches out of the slipcase, and then you open it up and suede kind of moleskin yeah. cover that's very tactile. And I was really nervous reading it. I'd wash my hands and I'd use the, the alcohol anti, you know, like the COVID gel mm-hmm. to make sure I've got all the grease off my hands. But it was just an absolute delight to read. You've got the original trays.
1: Yeah, these are newsprint. Yep. Oh,
0: I love newsprint.
1: I was curious about your version because it is glossy, right? It's not It matte. is. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. what the art
1: looks like in that. And the newsprint, it couldn't look more 1984 than it mm. than it does in my trade version. So I was wondering, in some of the art, like the scene I was describing, that really impressed me in the beginning, where Swamp Thing plants himself, and Abby and Matt come upon him, the body that's planted, partially enveloped in earth, but there are contours to a body. You can see what that looks like on a glossy, especially the size.
0: I think reading newsprint always, it makes it feel more earthy, especially for something like this, it probably makes it feel like it's a little bit more bucolic, that it's sort of mm. of nature more because of that. There's nothing that takes you out a bit more when you have to t- keep tilting something, especially of, of something of that kilter. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah the, right. To take the the shine of the light off the page. My living room's dark. I've got a really fancy light fitting. It looks sick, but unfortunately, it isn't fit for purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, I have yeah. one of those influencer like arm arm things behind Next to my head, pointing directly to the page each time,
1: mm-hmm. so it is a bit of a jiggle. uh I liked the art style overall. I thought it fit quite well. It was very visceral. I thought the style, styling, and I, I thought that it fit well with like Floronic Man and also Arcane. We talked about the the trip to hell, and I thought some of the stuff like Floronic Man's face, like like melt his face, like I, it was wow, just like so forward. like weird. Yeah. Great. I thought I really enjoyed that, and I thought that the panel placing. Was pretty dynamic. And I worried at first, like, as I was flipping through it, like, this is not your typical, like, Watchman made famous, the square, you know, whatever the thing. They're jagged, some of the paneling. But I thought that the layout was such that I didn't have any trouble following the story. i got pretty expertly done. If you're going to use that, is the concern if you're going to use a format like that, where do I move from panel to panel? Because they, they kind of overlap in some ways, or not, it's not clear the transitional pieces. But I thought that they laid it out in such a way. I don't know who did that. Stephen Bissett, maybe? Um, I'm not sure.
0: Uh, yeah, because apparently the art team wanted to be a lot more expressive with the character. And under Pasco, they weren't happy with... They had a very tenuous relationship with him. So when Alan Moore yeah. came in, it really allowed them to to spread their wings. I mean, it even rotates to landscape from portraits at times. Yeah, time to yeah.
1: that... And that was my only problem. Like, it's not a problem. It's just like there, there's land. There's that whole section. The sex scene at the end in the last. Yeah, I think it's the last issue of my second trade, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Page after page after page of landscape. Yeah. I like a landscape thrown in there for a fact, but I, yeah. I don't want to be holding my book like this. No, I don't. that is just like crazy. Oh, no, it, was,
0: no, it fucking me. It was insanity, and as yeah. well because it's so heavy, and obviously it's so preciously put together and with such beautifully textured materials. I didn't even want to look at it too hard in case I creased it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like i get yeah. too close and I'd go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I found that part, look, if I didn't have to hold it and it was in front of me, it would have been amazing. Like, I-, I respect it, but it, what did not make for a physically good read? I think you said yeah dynamic panel placing. I think I'd use another word, which is erratic. Erratic? Uh, yeah. This page is going to be this way around, and the other page is going to be this way around. Yeah. And then we're going to do like a pie chart, and then each of the pie charts goes to a different plot story. And yeah, just yeah. Go, I'm just
1: like, whoa, guys, calm down, do you know I mean, I do know, I think what saved it for me from being erratic is, like I said, I didn't have to work as hard to follow, <clears throat> excuse me, to follow panels through the page. If you're going to do these overlays, a pie chart thing was wild. I could follow it. So that's what saved it from being erratic. You do have to work at it. That's the thing, which is fine. I mean, whatever. But if you're reading like 14 issues of this in a very condensed amount of time, I got through it comfortably, but like I was reading more than an issue a day. It asked a lot of you. I was
0: reading just under one absolute edition a day. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: I honestly, you said, How are you getting on with it? I was like, Yeah, fine, mate. What's your problem? Stop fucking hustling me about swamping with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I picked it up. I actually took the day off work to in inverted commas finish it. Oh, it has a ribbon as well, Tim. It has a ribbon. Oh, you love, love a it. ribbon. I fucking love it, honestly. I want my casket to be draped in ribbons <laughs> when I pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it will be on the casket lid, it'll be on the coffin lid. And then it'll be under. Oh yeah, underneath the lid, and then it'll come over the top, and it'll go. That's where we left him. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it. It's so cheap. Like it's not even. They're never high quality. They're always going to. Almost certainly, they will fray at some point. But yeah,
1: yeah. God, I'm just a sucker for a ribbon, baby. <laughs> and how is the quality? Uh, how is the ribbon quality in the absolute high? Now, mate, it's, it's
0: just the ribbon. It's a standard format okay. ribbon. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yes, sorry, dude. I just, you got <laughs> me all excited. To all, the, all this ribbon talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm hocked up on ribbons.
1: <laughs> At the end of the day, if you were to say, like, you can only have comics that have your standard layout, you can only have comics like this, I probably would take the standard layout if I'm going to be reading a ton of comics. But in this particular comic, I liked the way they did it, and... You could see they put thought into it. It was not yeah, exactly. Half yeah, yeah. You have to
0: add into the consideration that this is an art team that are comfortable in this way of doing, in the same way that Alan Moore is confident with sexual battery. The last thing I want to do is have to read something where Ed Brisson's writing a rape story. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Some people are best suited to just keep your powder dry, page turn, job yeah. done. It actually reminded me in a way, did you ever read Regression, the Cullum Bun? I think I may have sent it to you with the lockdown. Yeah. Did you ever get to reason it? It kind of felt like it fitted into this world. The, yeah. the expression on each of the pages, the attention to detail. Okay, you asked about the art style and how it held upon absolute. I think it exposed the weaknesses and I think the lined style of inking instead of using actual color for depth and shade that was really exposed on the bigger format on the thicker paper stock on the glossy paper but there are specific congruent scenes that were you could have probably blown it up to a1 and it would have just looked amazing and those cells where it was specifically drawn with immense amount of details the kind of pseudo-sex scene at the end, like when he mm-hmm. is volunteered himself to a coma because he can't handle the fact that he'll never return as a man because he is, in fact, actually not a man. Some of those scenes were absolutely incredible. We should probably um, credit the art team. Yeah. Do you John
1: Total certain John
0: Toddleburn? To-
1: yeah.
0: yeah, well, if you want to credit, then you should get himself a sensible name. That's all I've got to say about <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: It looks like art by also Sean McManus, Rick Veet Veitch, Alfredo Alcala, Ron Randall, Ellen Bernie Wrightson. That one issue. Uh,
0: do you know the succeeding one shot where Abigail is taken into a dream house? A kind of yes. commentary on how you don't remember your, if you don't remember your dreams. How can you trust that you weren't experiencing? Well, and that, that makes it seem like it's a little bit. Uh, more thrilling than it is, but she's posed with a question, do you want a truth or do you want a secret?
1: Yeah, truth or a secret. I think, that's, I think that's it. Or a mystery or a secret or something like that.
0: Yes, yes, yes. My theory about that is that this is very early on in his career. However, his experience with Miracle Man is what I think set the bitter tone for almost everything that came after it's about two brothers, and one of them is really overbearing on. The other one, it's an oppressive relationship, and mm-hmm. the younger brother is quite soft. He's trying to help Abigail and make choices in this. Well, you know, my first is in Fish, but not in Hill. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's something silly like that, and he's, like, trying to help. Like, it's not as difficult as you think. Don't worry. Nothing bad's going to happen. And he's like, well, you shut the fuck up. Like, you're spoiling the atmosphere here with all this niceness. And he ends up killing his brother Mm -hmm. um, when he tries to assist Abigail on leaving Dream Realm. She's like, how could you do that? It's your brother. He goes, don't worry, he'll be back again tomorrow. And I thought this was... Alan Moore, for the first time in Allegory, writing about himself and the problems he's experienced in comics, that the first person to speak up is the first one to be killed. But then he was still thrown back into this never-ending cycle of monthly solicits.
1: Hmm. And what doesn't fit?
0: Well, I just think because this was very
1: early on. Very early on. It's, pre, like, Watchmen it's pre-Watchmen controversy. Pre-Watchmen.
0: But again, he did have the Miracle Man stuff before Swamp Thing. So I don't know if it's me as a reader having the benefit of the eyes of history looking in on it and going, is this, you know, it's kind of almost like he foreshadowed it, but it also seems that there is an inherent bitterness towards the industry anyway.
1: When I read that one, my mind, have you read Sandman yet
0: at all? I've not made, no, but we're (laughs) going to do Neil Gaiman next year, aren't
1: we? Yeah. Cain and Abel, And exactly as drawn here and in the exact same realm, are major characters in the Sandman's uh, stuff. And so I was thinking like, wow, I was not expecting that. I wonder when we reread it, I'll have to reread it with an eye towards what relationship there may be between this story and that story. I mean, that's a Vertigo story, but it's crazy because it's like rendered exactly the characters look the same. Every single day, Cain murders Abel. Is that how it goes? I can't remember. It's like that Bible story. And I can't remember who kills who. But anyway, it's the same. And, and their characterizations are the same. I was just struck by that. I was definitely not expecting to see it. Because I thought that was original to Neil Gaiman's story. But he he like lifted that entirely. Or it's an homage of some kind. Or a dialogue yeah, of some yeah, kind with yeah, this yeah. story. And it's interesting, too, because when I first opened this book up, this trade and I started reading the first issues I'm talking about the panel layouts. And it just reminded me immediately of the very early salmon issues. And so there's gotta be some, and of course, like Neil Gaiman writes the, some analysis of the stories in, in my edition, maybe at the end of yours as well. So I, I'd be curious to think about that or, you know, Gaiman's art is influenced by Alan Moore's early comics as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think this comic is for? would you send somebody to read this i would never like we were saying earlier i would not send anyone who is new to this to this story i don't think
0: i yeah i think i would do i just want to sell it as a classic okay if someone said to me i want to get into the swamp thing i'd say new 52 Mm -hmm. i'd say and read animal man concurrently with it if you said i want to read some of those 80s classics, Vertigo comics, I'd go read Preacher, Transmetropolitan. This wouldn't cross my mind. If you were talking about horror comics, I mean, where'd you start? In the the modern age, where where would you even begin with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So this wouldn't ever be one of the things that immediately comes to mind to recommend on any specific set of parameters. If someone said, oh, um, is this worth reading? I'd go, do you already have it? Yeah, all right. Yeah, give it a go. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy mm-hmm. it. But if it should have mm-hmm. go out and spend hundred quid on a absolute edition, I'd go, well, yes, for completeness sake, but <laughs> 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 but but um if you're actually buying it to read it anytime soon, I think I would comfortably say this is if I look, if we hadn't ever, if I haven't oh, already well, there's no world where I haven't bought the three absolute editions, I'm telling you that much. There is no world where that's yeah. that's an option. However, if we weren't reading the second and third ones, I would have no urgency to pick them up.
1: Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, I,
0: yeah. I I'd stick a pin in it as a project for a bank holiday weekend or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Or maybe the but the thing with that is I've got the last oh I've got the last couple of trades for Outcast. I've got the last couple of trades for mm. Oblivion Song, Seven to Eternity. I have a What's the Size Spurrier one on Boom, Coda. I've got all the Coda to read. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. on the list of projects where I just want to go from start to finish on them. And also with Coda, I really like that. I really like Outcast. I really like Song, Oblivion Song, and I really like Seven to Eternity. I have the feeling that I'll never read those trades and end up getting the oversized hardcovers and then just, just go through those like over weekend or something. I didn't think it was possible to read one of these in a day. I and mean, it wasn't even a day because I, I was supposed to be having the day off yesterday. Not yesterday. Yesterday was my site But it doesn't matter. You don't know. No one's following me around Why I'm above it. So let's call it yesterday <laughs> still. <laughs> ah, yeah, yeah. You thought we were welcoming welcoming you into our homes and and our hearts, but it turns out I can say anything and you'll fucking eat it up, oh, you stupid <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Get your own brain for once. He <laughs> don't even know what day I do my site visits that's it oh. I love you please follow us <laughs> follow <laughs> subscribe we are also on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I made the mistake of there was an email that I needed to check so I sat on my computer about half eight in the morning and let's say I didn't open the absolute edition until four o'clock in the afternoon once I'd finished with my emails and whatnot. So I read it from four o'clock, hour off for dinner. And then I'd finished it by half past 11. When you really concentrate, I didn't want to just whip through it, you know, tear through the pages and just to say I'd read it. I absorbed it, took my time. I appreciated each page. I didn't think it was possible to read something like 400 pages because even with the epic collections, they're about what? They're about 350. Sometimes Mm -hmm. like 350, maybe 400. I think they're just painful to read because they're all old.
1: old. Oh my God, those things. It takes an age to get through those because there's like a novel on every page.
0: Oh, it's fucking horrendous, So much text. And that's one of the things that I appreciated about this, despite the fact that it was, like I said, this bleeding heart narrative from Swamp Thing. Like he was almost um, a third-person narrator throughout of it. Yeah, yeah. It was quite sparing with the amount of text that was actually on each page. It never felt cluttered. The language was quite sparing. Despite the fact it being this very would you say verbose would be unfair at times? No,
1: sometimes I found the prose to be like you, you know the term purple prose i I've not, not heard that no I don't know if it's an American thing, but it's like the type of language use people use to try to sound profound mm-hmm. it's not verbose, but it's though also slightly overwritten like some of the yeah, language yeah, used yeah, somehow. Yeah.
0: Before we wrap this up, the only thing I wanted to bring up, in addition to all the sparkling comments that we've already had, Tim, is that you can definitely see the fingerprints in this, in, say, Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk, uh, a lot of the stuff that Brubaker and Phillips have put together. You can see this as a starting point and definitely a kind of page turn for comics Mm -hmm. at at that time. And the effects of it
1: have actually continued to the current day. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And it's it's not just an historically important comic book. I mean, you it's readable. You can still get stuff out of it today. It's not anachronistic at all. I mean, some yeah. of it is. Some of the characterizations, early Abby characterizations, which I, I've said already today, I've, I found like a little bit cringe. It, you can still get something out of it today.
0: Oh, last bit. When, at the end of it, Abby runs to him and she's like saying, look... Is it bad for me if I'm in love with someone that isn't my husband? Because he's in a coma. <laughs> and he's like, look, he's been in a coma. This is when Arcane leaves his body. He just leaves him in a coma. Good. Probably the best place for him. And yeah. um, he says, no, no, that's fine. Look, you can't be a widow, a waiting widow forever. Is there somebody? And she's like, it's you, you big dummy. His mind immediately goes to, I made the plants. How oh, are we going to fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So he goes away and he he pulls this sort of like yam-looking thing out of his chest, which I'm thinking, if I was the artist, I would have made it a lot more phallic than it actually was. And I would have had... And she has to like bite the end off it. So if, imagine, like even if it was a carrot or if he pulls just like a banana out Not even out of his like his, <laughs> his groin, he just pulls a banana out of his hip. And then he fucking like, jams it in a gob, like in and out, in and out. And then she's like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Alex? Because he actually said something. He's like stroking the hair, going, don't worry, baby, just go with it. You'll understand eventually. <laughs> and she's like, Holy okay, God. okay. Yeah, because that's the way it fucking works. You pull a dick out of your belly and then get her to eat it. <laughs> Unless you're paying good money. But anyway, right? And then they go on this like whole like, psychedelic like mind meld. and She sees the world yeah. in the way he sees it. And it's all very... Um, like Cartoon Network sexuality where they sort of have a hug in the grass and then they're like, oh my God, that was amazing. That was the best hug I'd ever had. There is no way like he couldn't produce like a, a dick-shaped piece of wood out of him. Like there's no <laughs> fucking way. Like immediately he can make a dick with a functioning in end. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like he is almost a walking dildo. Yeah, totally. It's just like he can... <laughs> <laughs> and one, one afterwards as well, like, is a bit of a joke. you could just, like, jiggle and snap it off and walk away. This is how you bastards, you've left it in me again. <laughs> I told you, it takes me fucking ages to pull it out. <laughs> it doesn't oh even get my. smaller like a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just thinking there's a very simple, like, solution to this very, very unsexual... <laughs> Yeah. yeah like intercourse that's actually happening it's just like come on dude come on we're all, we're all thinking it she's thinking it she just wants some wood literally <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and you can like polish it off like it you could just have to it can be like yeah
0: like yeah be... and look with a little plum on the end so this do you yeah. know what i mean like a plum totally. plum wood simple i'm not buying it little,
1: little mushroom and some
0: a <laughs> couple <laughs> of grapes. <laughs> uh, oh, I God. think we better leave it there, mate. Are you uh, are you looking forward to the next um, the next four hundred pages, or would you reckon you'd uh, you have, have picked it up if we weren't obligated by our own schedule? You no, know, that's a good
1: question. I mean, there's so much of it. It seems like I don't know how many issues he wrote. So what? mine are each of these has seven issues each of my trade paperbacks okay i think okay. i've got like a there's like a bunch of these so probably not just given how much there is if mm. there's like maybe just two more volumes i would definitely on my own yeah, definitely yeah, read yeah, it. yeah. it's like manageable to get through um yeah uh, having said that i am kind of curious like where is it going to take the story
0: yeah massively i think the next one's going to be the one for me that the way that people have spoken about this, I think that we've had the establishing shots. Now mm-hmm. I really want to, really want to see what this character is about and the direction it's going to go in. I read um, Brubaker's uh, Winter Soldier omnibus recently, mm-hmm. and there was very much the establishing third, and then there was you know the meat and potatoes of the story came after that. And I feel like we've established the characters.
1: Yeah, they're We're together now, them. so now yeah. they're like a pair. I mean, the whole plot purpose of these first set of issues is, like, they, they need to get together. Now they're, for lack of a better term, a team. Yeah. I think she does have some powers. Whether she develops them or realizes them, she has, like, some telekinesis stuff and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm sure they go on some adventures together. I'm, I, I don't know anything about what's going to happen. Like, I have i have no insight. I haven't heard anything. No one's ta- i You know, I haven't looked into it. So I, it's, like, a, basically a blank slate to me what the, what the story is going to be. I've
0: heard an arc that happens, I think, in the next volume, because the hard thing about this is you can't really research it because people just do generic episodes or YouTube breakdowns on the whole of that's one thing. And I found out very quickly, even the ones that are specific to the, the first part of the saga they say, oh, you'll find out later that this leads into this. And I'm like, oh, okay. After that, I just gave up on the research and thought I'll just have to use my own wit and wisdom on this one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I know one thing that's a bit of a silly thing that happens, but I don't know where, and it's about
1: one of the supporting characters. Okay. Do we know what uh, pieces of this, how James Gunn's going to use this, how close to the text it's going to be? Is it going to be more... Do we know any of that? I, I don't, but I wonder if we collectively do. I don't think we even know if it's in else or not yet.
0: Okay. I've read conflicting reports, but it is interesting. And also, is it going to be this version? Mm-hmm. If you think about he's adopting Tom King's Supergirl, uh, Grant Morrison's All Star Superman. Uh, have you read the Ram V? swamp thing Thing. yeah i have it i haven't
1: i haven't read it yet though i have the issues
0: yeah it's so similarly with that who's to say it won't be an adaptation of the V era because he seems to be
1: touching on the more modern stuff totally so you read the new 52 Mm. does that story keep the alan moore origin is swamp thing a thing with or is he actually alec colland do you know do you remember like is this now like complete canon the, what Alan Ward Moore- I can't remember because
0: at that point I realized that I loved Jason Arden and Jeff Lemire when I started reading them again in 2015 and mm-hmm. I picked up actually it's not the characters it's the people that were writing them and I, I was reading Animal Man because it was Jeff Lemire <clears throat> and I loved it and then I was like oh it's coming to this crossover so I better start with one Thing so it was kind of more obligatory but it, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it when I read it The way the New 52 was in general, you may or may not agree with this, but it started it again, but there was an acceptance of established characters. Nobody had an origin, but they also had no existing canon. You know who Superman is. This is Superman first day on the job. So I think with Swamp Thing, I think it was more so, we all know Swamp Thing. This is the start of this
1: Swamp Thing. Got it, got it, got it, yeah. Okay, yeah,
0: yeah. A lot like the way Tom Holland's Spider-Man was.
1: Yeah, 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 it makes sense.
0: I'm about done, mate. Are you yeah, ready? I'm tapped out.
1: Good discussion on uh, 14 issues, I think. Yeah. Is that all it was, 14 issues? Yeah, 20 through 34. I feel weary hearing that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, if you want to say goodbye to everybody, Tim.
1: Goodbye, everybody, especially you, Brussels. We love you.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do love
1: Brussels. <laughs> we do, we do.
0: Okay, so just to remind everybody that if you have indeed made it to the end of this episode, you can find this on all your favourite streaming locations. If you're curious for more content, then we have reviews on Twitter. And that's the end underscore pod. Likewise, we create curate, even comic art on Instagram. And that again is the end underscore pods. We have a YouTube channel that has bits of the podcast all cut up, and we also have original content on there as well. So if you're following us on a podcast location, jump over to YouTube, and on there we are The N-Pod One Shots, which I think is quite self-explanatory. I'm not going to go into any more detail about that. So I've been co-host Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure having Tim with me today, and it's also been equally pleasurable to have you all listen to us. So that means gives me one more thing to say. We are being, and this is the end.
1: <laughs> Bravo.
0: Oh, I can't believe, I can't
1: believe I'm loving that wonderful. Well, we get into it. What are you going to do?